Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all things attached to it, um, marketing it, building it, growing it, selling it, and pricing it. Today, I'm really excited to have a, a very special guest, George Brontan, um, all the way from Sweden. Are you in Sweden today, George? I am. I am. I'm in my basement here in uh, East of Stockholm, Sweden, yes. Very good. So George is a CEO of a sales technology company. Um, and as I understand it, he, he, it is not a CRM first. It's a sales technology, sales performance company because uh, CRM is somewhat of a dirty word for the CEO of a CRM company. Did I get close? <laughs> well, yes, I think or the am perception. I, am, I over, am I overstating it? No, I think the, the, people's perception of CRM is, is negative in general because it hasn't really delivered on the promises, I think. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good. And uh, seeing somebody who recognizes that and trying to do something about it is part of why I wanted you here today. Uh, the other part of it is that George has written a really compelling book that I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about, uh, Stop Killing deals. Uh, it's available on Amazon, but, um, uh, and probably wherever, wherever else books, great business books are sold, but uh, we'll be talking about stop killing deals as well. So welcome, cool. George. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So let's, let's start with that CRM uh, complaint and uh, what works <laughs> and what doesn't. Um, I, I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing started eight years ago, uh, or even even before that, actually, uh, with uh, sort of my, my own mistakes leading me to a point where I found that um, I needed technology to help me drive behaviors, and I realized that CRMs don't really do that. They, uh, they sort of assume that salespeople know exactly what to do with whom and when and why and all that good stuff and should just log what they've done. Uh, and I needed more <laughs> than that. Yeah. So I think with that realization that the tools weren't really uh, designed for, for the job I wanted them to do, and also another realization, which I talk about in the book, that I sucked as a sales manager basically, <laughs> and as a sales leader. And, and uh, I had not been giving salespeople the right type of, of training, coaching, guidance, support, uh, resources, tools, pretty much nothing apart from training them in the product. And uh, yeah, that, so there are many problems beyond CRM that I think I, I'm out to sort of uh, solve by uh, in the vision of elevating the sales profession, which is sort of what we have phrased as our vision in the company. Yep. I have a colleague who actually sold CRM for one of the very big shops for many years. 
uh, she tells me and tells just about anybody who will listen that CRM helps a salesperson manage their glide path to a, a one deal through activities. It's an activity-based glide path. And glide it's not, path. Huh. Yes. Interesting. Um, thinking that you're going, you know, that you're going to glide into a deal is a little bit of a, a misnomer, but maybe it's a glide path through a strong wind into a slot canyon. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah. but the idea that it manages CRMs mostly manage activity, not they don't manage the salesperson understanding, building, and growing value, customer value. Yeah, and they, they don't really manage activities either they help you log activities uh, but they don't really help you to to know and to guide you on which activities you should be doing uh, which I think is is um, one of the the problems with CRMs is that they they're not very guiding and helpful they're just sort of a, a tool to to make you log activities and uh, once you've logged them uh, someone can look at that and say have you done enough Maybe you need to more, do more activities. So it's really, it's lacking the context of a well thought through buyer aligned process slash playbook slash guidance movement or whatever you want to call it. So I think that's the big, no, big I, problem. Yeah, I think that is a big problem. Um, uh, and, and managing to value, managing to behaviors, not to activities. Exactly. Um, CRM so many times turns into a tool to help the sales manager manage, not to help the salesperson sell. Yeah. And that's also an interesting uh, word, right? Manage. What, what is that? What does that mean? Like the, the manager should be coaching more than managing really. So what, what, how does a CRM help a sales manager to become a better coach? I think is an interesting question as well. I think that's a fascinating question because when you are recording and tracking activities, activities are barely coachable and certainly aren't the value add meat in the sales process or the sales methodology that you really want your salespeople performing. So if you're only tracking non-value added or minimally value added activity rather than high value added behaviors and deep understanding and um, understanding that the customer being by, buyer, customers and buyer centered, um, you're measuring and tracking the wrong thing. So the person who's placed in the position of being a manager can't coach. Okay. Yeah, and also I think sometimes when you look at the, the the guidance or the the stages in a CRM are oftentimes very inside out centric, right? We're looking at okay, we're getting from stage one to stage two. Um, that means we're going to increase the probability of this particular opportunity, but but oftentimes there is a lack of of alignment with the buyer's milestones. Uh, so I think also uh, it's important to measure and, and track activities, but unless those activities are made to achieve a milestone, then we're not, we're not sure we're making progress. I mean, we're just, just activities for the sake of activities is not very helpful, right? But if, if we're doing something that gets us to a milestone that is aligned with the buyer and they're moving forward back to our activities, well, then that's good, right? Yeah. 
But how do we know that these activities have been value, have created value for the buyer and has taken the buyer down their sort of decision making? Like yeah, it sounds like you're advocating for something that I advocate for, which is design the whole selling system, sales process, sales methodology around the customer's buying journey, not our selling journey. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of I'm a bit frustrated with the word buying journey. It rubs me the wrong way because it sounds like the buyer knows where they're going, uh, which they don't don't always do, right? So sometimes we have to guide them uh, towards where they ought to be going or where they could be going. So I think it's more we want to guide them and they want to um, come to a decision of, of sorts. So it's more of a buying decision process, or yeah, if we want to use journey. Sure. Uh, but just buying journey to me is, 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 uh, can be kind of misleading. And I, I see a lot of sales teams that sort of buy into that from the, all the marketing people who, who shout buying journey, you have to align with the buying journey. And then you start creating content because from the marketing perspective, everything is about content. And content is really important, but they don't always know where they're heading. And uh, you can't always tell what their journey will be. Uh, but hopefully they will make a decision. So you have to sort of be there and make sure that you help them get to that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I go back and forth myself between uh, being comfortable and uncomfortable with the term buying journey. And uh, I'm, I'm in, the, in the roller coaster right now. I'm somewhat comfortable. But... Um, the question is buying journey to what mm -hmm. yep. it's a buying journey to an outcome which may or may not be buying a crm or buying something in your product category they want an outcome and whether they do it themselves or work around it or whatever they are going they are actually on a search for that outcome yep. and now the trick is for you to align yourself with that outcome and if if you buy if you know unfortunately buyer's journey means so many things today that it means almost nothing but if i insist that buying journey is a journey towards that outcome i can i can get more comfortable with the term buying journey uh, but you're absolutely right now the the uh, the marketing content has to not be about my product or my features it has to be about that outcome if i've got a differentiated feature well, what outcomes does that differentiated feature deliver to a customer? Now I want to make that customer interested in that outcome, which gives me an advantage because of my feature. Mm -hmm. But the important part isn't my feature. The important part is the customer's outcome from my feature. Yeah, I know. I, I agree completely with that. And, and I think also in that um, sometimes they, they are looking for an outcome. Uh, that aligns with the typical outcomes that we help customers achieve. Uh, but sometimes if, you're, if you are targeting them proactively, they not, might not be looking for that particular outcome at all. So you have to sort of first initiate <laughs> that to, idea. Yeah, yeah cause, right? cause the trigger event that gets yeah. them to desire that outcome or yeah. realize that their existing outcomes aren't as good as they thought they were. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, uh, I mean, a really good salesperson can come in and li listen to them and say, oh, I hear the outcome you're trying to accomplish, but you, do you know that you could do a lot better than that, actually, 
there is an outcome beyond your outcome <laughs> uh, that is much more desirable and that we've helped people achieve. Let's yeah, I talk, about, that. I talk about a lot that a fair amount in my book, Radical Value. Uh, so I couldn't agree with you more. But that's a really great segue to your book, Stop Killing Deals. So give us the overview, right? We, we just talked about salespeople, a great salesperson talking about a new outcome, introducing new, new things, causing the trigger event. Um, and that's how to start winning a deal, but your title is Stop Killing Deals. So tell us a little bit more about the book. Yeah, no, I, I, I think all too often we, we make simple mistakes in selling that kill deals. So that's the, the simple explanation is just how do, we, how do we identify those simple mistakes and prevent them from happening? And a few of those mistakes that I made myself uh, previously in my, my previous company was not identifying uh, the right stakeholders, for instance. So we were selling IT automation and, and my salespeople were basically ignoring the tech people uh, at the buyer side, <laughs> and, and, and they, because of my lousy management, by the way, was of course my fault, and um, because of that, they got really nervous. Said, "Oh my God, if my if my boss buys an IT automation platform, I'm going to be out of a job." So they made sure that the boss didn't buy this tool <laughs> in the first place, <laughs> and, and that to me is is an avoidable mistake, right? If we seems like a, a very, very simple thing to prevent. And, as, and when we started preventing that, we tripled win rates. So big, huge difference by preventing a mistake. I think in the selling profession, we, I mean, some of us are really nerds, right? We, we read the, the latest blog posts and the latest books, and we stay on top of, of, of everything that comes out. And, and then we promote sort of the best of breed stuff. But in selling, we have to get the basics right first before we start trying to do the most advanced stuff if we if we're killing deals then we we're just silly to start trying you know super advanced complex things just get the right <laughs> the right movements and the right behaviors in there yeah, yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more i go back to you know my, my book isn't just about sales it's about organizing your entire or organization your entire company everybody around customer perceived value mm -hmm. or turning everybody into at least some level of salesperson. And um, I say that the purpose of every organization ever created was to create more value for its customers and its employees than it cost them to deliver. And mm -hmm. so if that is the purpose of your company, value, let's learn, let's look at all of the KPIs and the measurements and the metrics in your company. And which one of those actually help you determine whether you're providing value? And how much complexity did we add to your company that clouds that very clear central core principle? And it's okay to manage your business using other KPIs, but if you've clouded the view to customer perceived value, you're already on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. And if we can get people back to that basics of, First, understand value, then everything else. I, I, I don't know if you remember. No, I was a uh, Miller Hyman sales consultant for nine years. Mm -hmm. And so there's always 75 to 150 of me uh, at any given time during the time I was there. So, and every one of those people 
uh, helped their clients review deals. So I am speaking from the aggregated experience of over 100,000 deal reviews, opportunity reviews. And I can tell you without a doubt that the one thing salespeople do worst based on 100,000 opportunity reviews in every industry you can imagine. And it's not just Miller-Hyman. I've replicated this with other methodology consultants. It's understanding the customer's outcomes, mm -hmm. understanding value. And if you don't understand that, how, how many Band-Aids can you put on that flaw to improve your win rates? And if you had just fixed that one, what would happen mm -hmm. to win rates? Yeah, and that's funny going back to CRMs. If you, if you fire up any CRM and uh, you, you look at an opportunity list, where is the box that says the outcome this customer is looking for? It's not even there, right? That's right. It's, you've got the, the deal value, closing date, you know, stage, all this stuff, but there's nothing in there about the buyer, the, the outcome, unless you configure it, customize it, sure. of course. But that's kind of telling that they, that wasn't in their sort of It's not mind. even on the radar, yeah. No, so it's yeah. Not, there's, there's, there's not a CRM, yours accepted perhaps, that uh, comes out of the box under, with, with even that contemplated. Mm -hmm. the architecture, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, the architecture allows you to do it, but it didn't come out of the Yes and right, no. Right? I think that's another thing they've, they've really been successful pulling off is saying that this is a platform that you buy and you can do anything with it. And people say, oh, that's amazing. So no, that's not amazing. That's like saying you're gonna win a Formula One race and they give you a, a chassis for a bus and say, you can do anything with this chassis. It's fantastic. But well, I wanna win this race. I'm never gonna do that with that. Well, your fault and just <laughs> fix it just build something from it yeah I, i've I, got partners that build engines and suspension and i've, I've got partners for that i've got a partner yeah 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 yeah. just, just get got these, an ecosystem to these guys yeah. yeah so and you spend loads of money and and without sometimes then understanding the basics in selling because the people you engage to help you fix the crm are tech people right they're system integrators they don't know anything about sales so you have to educate them first in order for them to understand how they could help you. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. a lot of problematic things, but sorry, I'm, I'm way off your question no, about the book. <laughs> yeah, no, we, I was just gonna try to get us back on the book. So what are some of the other um, deadly assumptions? Yeah, so the, the, I build it on three deadly assumptions, basically saying that the first deadly assumption is when we believe that salespeople are born. And I, had, I held that belief that somehow salespeople are those, you know, hungry, extroverts, talkative, always want to win type of people um, that are extremely social and talk like crazy. <laughs> and you have to just go find them. And when you find them, they will sell for you like, like crazy. And poof, a miracle occurs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same thing with discipline. We, we sort of, can hold the belief or the assumption that salespeople are more disciplined uh, than others and they will magically achieve the targets we set up for them uh, because they're, they're hungry and, and go-getters, uh, which is another and, faulty assumption. Yeah, and and coin-operated. Yeah, 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 exactly. Somehow they're, they're not human. 
so there are a lot of the book is about humanity, just how we humans operate. And this goes for buyers as well, because we, we treat buyers sometimes as robots, thinking that they will be look at an ROI that we created for them and then they will buy. So, I mean, it's not that simple. Uh, so, so I talk a lot about these assumptions, salespeople being born, uh, being disciplined and being rational, uh, which, which simply is not true. We humans are, are much more complex creatures <laughs> than that. Uh, and, and then I, I go into depth with on, on some of these assumptions and what they cause. And at the, and the end of the book or the, the second half of the book, I try to lay out some ideas on how we can solve this, how we can think differently and how we can use process and technology to some extent, but also how we get fooled and by, by technology sometimes because um, yeah. we hear. Yeah, you know, one, of the, one of the things that you make a point is that technology should be the servant, not the master. Mm -hmm. um, we we yeah. kind of all know that at one level, but how do we in how do we allow ourselves to flip that inadvertently? I think just first off by realizing that we are people. Salespeople are people, right? They're not robots. And uh, if we are in a sales environment that is a complex B two B sales environment, uh, then we need humans who speak to other humans. Uh, if you're Amazon and selling books, you don't need humans talking to every possible buyer. You, you, you automate it, right? That's fantastic if you're in a transactional world. Uh, so you have to know what kind of selling environment am I operating in? And if it's a complex B2B space or environment, then you, you have to realize your people are people, the buyers are people, and how do we now enable these people, help these people, coach these people to go down that decision path that hopefully ends up with them, including us. <laughs> and then just getting everything in order, right? You have to have a strategy. That strategy needs to be aligned with your buyer. You have to translate that into some kind of process slash workflow slash playbook. And that then you need to train, coach, enable, uh, salespeople and then iterate all the time by analyzing the outputs. But I think what we oftentimes are lured into is, oh, buy this latest AI super duper tool and it will just do all that for you. And even though we sort of get it, we don't get abs because we buy the latest thing on TV shop. Sometimes we still <laughs> do, <laughs> right? So it's the same in sales technology. We, we want that to be true because we know it's hard work to do it right, but we have to do it right. Wow. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you where you think um, the pockets of AI that are actually near-term solutions and, and which ones are a distant glimmer in the eye of some um, visionary. I mean, computers are super at looking at large amount of, amounts of data, for instance. So I think that's definitely in a, a space where we can use AI. The problem with AI, if, if, if you want it to be in, intelligent, you have to feed it with very structured data. Uh, and that's a problem in B2B. You have to feed it with structured data and a lot of data. Uh, if you're Amazon, you have all of that. If you're a B2B sales, uh, company selling to B2B and you have maybe, 
I don't know, a few thousand potential customers, it's a lot less data and it's not always structured. So it's less helpful in a way. Yeah. And uh, going back to your humanity and, and selling human to human, one of the challenges, if your salespeople aren't being customer centered in how they sell, they're building up a data set for an, the improper approach, for what not to learn. But the machine doesn't know that, and it's learning from what the sales of people have put in. So you have to uh, help the machine figure out what things to learn from and which things to avoid or which things to ignore. And now two things, one, you need to have a human intervention and two, the data set from which to learn just became a lot smaller. Mm. Yeah, and I think we, I, I wrote a uh, blog post on this where I, I said it's not about artificial intelligence, it's about augmented intelligence. We want to augment our salespeople with intelligence that is hard to get to or will take a lot of time. Like if you want to, if you have to go through 250 annual reports, that takes time, right? So if you can ask a computer to do that for you and sort of summarize the findings, that's fantastic. It all, that augments my work, makes me smarter. Uh, but I think what people are looking for when they talk about AI is, is, is more ways to sort of not do uh, or, or replace salespeople, like yeah. uh, have the computers do the work for the salespeople. And uh, that's great if, we, if we're in a transactional environment, not for the salesperson maybe, but for the company. Uh, but in a sort of value creating B2B sales process, that's not gonna happen anytime soon. So then we just have to help the salespeople using technology. Yeah, good. So we're getting close to the end. What haven't I asked you about or what haven't we covered off that you, you would like to make sure that, that people uh, talk about? We, you know, we didn't talk maybe enough about the book or enough about the humanity of selling um, or something else. I'm, I'm allowing you to, um, I'm talking, allowing you. Yeah, to no, one thing that people sort of uh, get surprised about when I, when I speak about it is that I, I think technology is a big problem. <laughs> uh, and, and as I'm a technology person, they, they get surprised. But I, I think the problem in the sales space goes way beyond just technology. Uh, and we have to look at ways where we combine the skill sets of someone who understands the strategy and where the company is heading with the skill sets and someone who can train the salespeople maybe on, on techniques with, with using uh, a technology to sort of orchestrate all of this into a cohesive system that is actually helps. Uh, so there's so many things we have to, that are intertwined that have to be improved. And I think that's the real challenge when, when looking at all of these things from above, is like, how do, we, how do we make all of these pieces come together in a smart way? It's not about just technology, it's not about just training, but how do we make it all work? Yeah, that's the big problem. Yeah. So um, I'm going from the customer, what the customer buys to maybe what you sell, and, cardinal sin and i'm still committing it knowingly i guess but uh that speaks to the need that you can't just sell a crm you have to sell some consulting and some integration 
uh, work around that. Tell us a little bit about how you and your yeah, company and, and, and I think we need an, a, a yeah a little bit of a shift in mindset there because previously and still for many the the purchase of a CRM is a sort of a technical uh, decision and the people you involve are the IT department, the system integrator. Um, but I think in the future we have to involve the sales enablement experts, the the sales trainers, the people who know how we use technology to to improve the human, yeah. <laughs> and, and and go beyond just how do we make sure the database becomes fantastic because the database is just a database, yeah. and and I mean it's not that hard to feed data into a system. The, the hard part is to drive the right behaviors that are aligned with buyers, that make buyers want to buy from us. Uh, so I think in these projects, hopefully we can sit down and have more of a business discussion, less of a technical discussion. Um, that's what I would recommend people to to do differently when they're looking at CRMs and not allow these large players to just define what CRM is um, hmm. based on history. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, it can be so much more than you bought before. And yeah, um, or considered buying before, or maybe the reason you didn't buy it before was because that's all it was. And you had a vague sense of that and decided you weren't going to buy. And sometimes you have to blow things up, right, to do it right. And a lot of people are, are so nervous and they're so into their sort of sunk cost syndrome that they don't want to touch what they've built because of no. fears. Blow it up. Start again. Start over. I mean, it's if it was 10 years ago, you made the decision. Yeah, I love the fact that you said sunk cost syndrome. I'm a huge student of uh, behavioral economics. Uh, and that's one of the cognitive biases that humans have that salespeople have to deal with. And uh, so that's the talk of a, you know, behavioral economics is probably the subject of another one hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, I can't imagine a lot of people want to um, maybe talk with you a little bit more, get some more of your thoughts and your insights and your expertise. And how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So LinkedIn, I'm very active there. So find me, George Frontian is an uncommon name. So you'll find me directly. Just hook up, link uh, with me. I'm happy to. And uh, membrane.com slash blog. I write there every week and we have really good guest bloggers. So if you like the, if you're in the complex B2B space, please make sure to subscribe to the blog. Great. Well, thank you so much, George. And I really appreciate your time and your insights. Uh, this has been a pleasure and uh, I hope we have a chance to interact more in the future. Me too. Thanks for having me on your show. Yep. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we operate under the assumption that value is something that only exists in the customer's mind, which means your success lies all in your customer's head. Thanks and have a great day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blues.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.